Romans 16. We're going to finish tonight. You know, honestly, I'm very sad about this. It is, it's, it's been a very long companion. Okay, if you want to know, we're going to do Genesis next. <laughs> Romans 16. Guys, let's pray. Father, what a ride you have taken us on through this greatest letter ever written, the book of Romans. And God, you have affirmed the faith of some, and I, I, I pray that you have even brought some to faith, Lord. We have learned the great doctrines of justification, how much you love us, Father, that you look at us and you don't see sin like we see it, but you see us in such a perfect light. God, we come so boldly tonight knowing that you have forgiven and forgotten everything. And we come to the end of this book, Father, just thankful for everything that you've done, the growth that you have instilled in us. Lord, if we were to look back over the last year, some of us would be, <laughs> we would find it humorous to see what babies we were in you. And yet you've brought us this far and you've grown us. And God, I want to thank you for the promise that what you begin, you finish. And so what you've began here, Lord, though we finish, Romans, I know that you are not finished with us and that you will continue to work. And so, Lord, we are excited and we yield ourselves and we pray that you give us ears to hear the final words of this book. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs> While if you're not at uh, Romans 16 yet, I'm going to read to you this passage from Deuteronomy. God says to the people, when the Lord your God cuts off before you the nations whom you go in to possess, and you dispossess them and dwell in their land, take care that you be not ensnared to follow them after they have been destroyed before you, and that you do not inquire about their gods, saying, so they drive them out of the land when Israel gets in the promised land, they, they cast them out, and God's saying, hey, be careful not to inquire about the former inhabitants. Because he's foreseeing this. So God <laughs> says, you're going to do this. You're going to say, well, how did these nations serve their gods? That I also may do the same. God says, you shall not worship me in that way. Man, when you go into the promised land, Israel, and you dispel the Canaanites and their wicked idolatry and their... their sensual lifestyle, do not research their lifestyle. Don't go into that. Don't think, hmm, I'm curious about the way they used to live. Let me research it. Uh-uh. Don't do that because what's going to happen, God warned them, what's going to happen is you're going to become like them and you're going to try to worship me like them. On the contrary, Christian. What Paul wants to communicate in this last chapter, as he wraps up Romans, is that we are not to be researching the things of this world. Instead, we're to be researching people. And that's what Paul did. He was a researcher of people. A people person. A greeter. A friend. A welcomer. Affable. He loved people just like Jesus did. So, let us now go to Romans 16, verse 1. I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a servant of the church at Centrea, 
you may welcome her in the Lord in a way worthy of the saints and help her in whatever she may need from you. For she has been a patron or a help of many and of myself as well. <laughs> Commend to you, Phoebe. Some of us aren't very bright. <laughs> Some of us are a lot dumber than others. There was a lady, a blonde, if you know where this is going. And she walked into Howard's appliance store and she said to the salesman, I would like to buy this TV. Oh no, we don't do business with blondes. <laughs> and so she storms out of there and she says, oh, fine, I'm going to dye my hair. So she dyes her hair and she comes back in and she says, I want to buy that TV, sir. And he goes, we don't do business with blondes. And flusters, she goes back out and says, how did he know I was a blonde? I know, he remembered my haircut and my clothes. So she then went to get her hair fashioned in a new style. She got new clothes and redressed herself. And she came back into Howard's and she says, sir, I would like to buy this TV. And he says, sorry, we don't do business with blondes. She goes, how do you know that I'm a blonde? Because, ma'am, that's not a TV. That's a microwave. <laughs> That's not very bright at all. But, and some of us are just like that lady. We, we come in here and we're, I'm not very bright. And we look at people and we think they're definitely not very bright. And we kind of have this way of steering away from people. And they don't even know what a TV is. <laughs> we don't like to hang out with them. They don't even watch American Idol. They are so out of the times. <laughs> well, by the way, that's just dying, okay, everyone? You know that? Why even waste your time this season? It's dead. It's just, they're just trying to survive. Anyways, just don't let me get going on anything like that. Some of us aren't very bright. And you know, perhaps the reason Paul was telling the church to commend, to receive, to welcome Phoebe, who's a woman, is because just that. Maybe she's a woman. Maybe... She, well, she is a woman, but maybe the reason is that she was one. Maybe she was a blonde. Probably not. But Paul's saying, hey, welcome her. You see, in that culture, the women were not given very many rights. They weren't like we have today. You would never see a woman lawyer who would stand up and testify in court. Women were considered unworthy witnesses, which, by the way, side note here, the fact that Matthew bases the resurrection account on the witness of women in Matthew 28 is absolutely astounding to the world. Which, so, if anyone tells you, oh, Matthew made up that Jesus rose from the dead. No, he didn't. If he was making that story up, why would he use women, illegitimate witnesses, to confirm what he's trying to uh, make you believe? You know what I'm saying? If I was to tell you guys that I met Kobe Bryant last night, <laughs> I would not have somebody come up here and tell you who's never seen Kobe Bryant before. You guys wouldn't even believe it. <laughs> I would have somebody... Anyways, let's not go into all this. Um, women didn't have rights. And... But this girl did. See, sometimes we think, oh, Paul, he didn't let women teach. He was just such a... He was such a male chauvinist and stuff. No. Paul, like Jesus was one of the most liberal people in the time about women. He allowed this lady to have a role in the church. And Jesus went beyond the ordinary means to talk to women. It was unheard of to even talk to him. And then you see Jesus at the well, speaking with the women. And throughout God's book, from Genesis through Revelation, 
you've seen prominent women playing roles. You see, God cares about man and woman. And here, Paul, it's astonishing. <laughs> I know, guys, it's hard to swallow, but one day you'll care about him too. <laughs> it's astonishing, though. Uh, what am I saying? Um, Paul here gives Phoebe a responsibility. What responsibility exactly does she have? Well, she is carrying this letter, Romans. She was the male carrier. Get it? Male, but she's a female. <laughs> she was the female carrier, and she's carrying the letter of Romans from Corinth, where Paul's writing the letter, and she takes it and sails over to Rome and delivers the mail to the male, and they read the book of Romans, and Paul says, hey, accept her. She Welcome her as someone in Christ. She's got my letter written to you guys. Now, Phoebe, her name, although we crack jokes and think people aren't bright, her name actually means bright. It means radiant. Not bright like smart intellectually, but bright radiantly. She was just this glower, this shiner. Apparently she represented the light of the Lord. People looked at Phoebe and said, Ah, that is a Christian. And so they called her light, radiant. Christian, Jesus said to you, He said to me, You guys are the light of the world. Don't be hidden by a bushel or a bucket or put your little light under the bed. It does nothing. Go on the tops of the hills and shine your light. Let your good works go forth to glorify the Father. Do you want to shine like Phoebe? You want to be bright, radiant for the Lord? Do what Phoebe did. Carry God's word where you go. Oh yeah, you can carry your Bible places. That's actually... I've done this. Sometimes you guys will see me at a random place like a restaurant with my Bible. Um, because literally, carrying God's Word, I have had people come to me and say, you're a Christian. And I actually, one time I had somebody say, you're a Christian, pray for me. This is going on. I was like, whoa, I've never even met you, buddy. <laughs> but it's so funny. Have you guys ever tried this? Carry your Bible down the halls of school or anywhere you go. What do people do? They look at it like it's an AK-47 in your hand. Like, oh my gosh, what is that? <laughs> Get that away from me. No, but of course, we don't mean literally carrying your Bible in this sense. Phoebe was carrying it because she lived it out. And as we carry God's Word in our actions, in our speech, and we live it out, you become Phoebe, light, bright, radiant, a light for Jesus Christ. Check this out, this is cool. Phoebe's taking the letter to Rome. Look at verse 22. I, Tertius, who wrote this letter, greet you in the Lord. Tertius wrote the letter. Now, this doesn't mean that Paul isn't the author. What happened is Paul dictated the words, and Tertius wrote the words on the scroll. So you have three people here involved. Paul speaks the word. Tertius writes it down. He delivers it to Phoebe. And Phoebe carries it out into the world, and she's the bright, radiant one. What's your point, Brandon? It's this. I, Paul, if you will, I give you guys the word. You guys are the Tertiuses. That sounds weird, but <laughs> bear with it, okay? And you're, you're like Tertius. You write down the word of God that you hear. Some of you take notes, that's great. Some of you take them in your head, that's great too. And we write it down, whether in our head, on notepaper, in our hearts. We carry it with us. As, as David said, I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. 
And then we become like Phoebe and we send it out in the way we live, in the places that we go. And that's how we become light. We come, hear the word from Paul, we write it down in heart, mind, like courteous, and then we walk it out like Phoebe. Practical application to be bright and radiant for the Lord. So, some of us may not be too bright in the blonde sense, but we can be bright in the spiritual sense, in the bold sense, in the witness sense. And so Paul says, I commend to you our sister Phoebe. Now verse 3 Paul begins a long list of greetings. Greetings to this person, that person. What you see through this, and you'll be very aware as you read it, first, the word greet. Second, the abundance of names. You realize Paul knew people. He was not an isolated individual. He sought them. He greeted them. He cared for them. And it becomes even more impressive when you consider the fact Paul had never even been to Rome. And yet he knew this many people in Rome. Paul loved people. So consider that as we look at these names. Verse 3. Yes, sir. That's a good question. I think it was the custom of the time. They just... Opposite of us. Yeah. Verse 3, greet Priscilla and Aquila. Some of your translations will say Prisca. My fellow workers in Christ Jesus who risk their necks for my life. I like that. Paul, uh, Priscilla and Aquila. These were two guys that Paul met while he was in Corinth. They were tent makers. Guess what Paul is? A tent maker. Well, Paul gave the gospel. He supported himself by making these tents. And he saw Priscilla and Aquila in Corinth. And he said, hey... You guys do the same thing I do. You're into the same thing. So he starts building tents with them, making, you know, beating the animal skins and drying them out. And perhaps Priscilla and Aquila got saved working with Paul. And then they became very good friends of Paul. Priscilla and Aquila are husband and wife. And they became so intimate with Paul that at some point they, it says, were willing to risk their necks. In other words, give their life for Paul. We don't have this recorded in the Bible. We don't know what they did. But Paul says they are willing to risk their life for my sake. I am so thankful for them. Priscilla and Aquila. I wish we knew more about these people. So they risked their necks for my life, to whom not only I give thanks, but all the churches of the Gentiles give thanks as well. Greet also the church in their house. Priscilla and Aquila, this couple that ministered together, I love it. And they opened their house to have a church in their house. I love it. That you have this guy and this girl. And it's not, okay, we love God, but then this relationship is a separate thing. To them, Jesus and each other were intricately connected. You guys have heard it said that your relationships, and some of you are starting to think about this stuff, so it's important to address it. Some of you will be there, some of you are there. I'll pray for you. You've heard it said that a godly relationship works like a triangle. You've got you and she, you and him, on two ends, and you, um, as you get closer to Jesus, he's at the top, guess what happens? You start to get closer and closer together. And so, as long as Jesus is in the middle of your relationship, you guys are going to grow closer and closer together. For 
Brandon, how do I know if she's right for me? How do I know if he's my Prince Charming, my fairy tale knight in shining armor that's going to slay the dragon of fear for me? <laughs> I was there. Guys, I was there. I was, I was there where I would pray uh, every crush I had, Lord, she's the one, right? Help me to know. Should I pursue her? And oh, it was just this constant romance with the Lord about these girls. And I wonder what he thought of me then. I, I just wonder. And you're always like, Lord, is she the right one? And you'd pray about her constantly. You'd pray for her fervently. But you know what never happened? I never prayed with her. And that's scary. I challenge you guys whom, and girls, but guys, we need to be the men and lead, that when you have a relationship, pray with your woman. Pray with her. Brandon, I can't do that. No way, Jose. Fine. You'll never find out if she's the one. You'll never be able to spiritually lead her. I, I can't do it. I can't. Just pray with her. You are going to find out right away if she loves Jesus if you love Jesus you're going to let Jesus in the relationship you'll find out so much about her but I don't like it because it's so what is it what is it it's so yes it's so intimate it's like no only I pray to myself <laughs> by myself but that's the idea you get to know each other so well in prayer guys I, I'm not going to hide the fact that Brittany and I pray constantly. However, it was hard. That first time I said, let's pray together. It was like asking her out the first time. It was like, uh, I don't know what it was, but I couldn't say, let's pray. See, <laughs> the night was interesting. I said something that girls understand. Guys. Be easy on guys. We say stupid things. We don't mean it like you hear it. Okay? So just be gracious. So I said something along those lines, something stupid, and we're walking, and, you know, it's really petty, and both of us know that, and we're kind of over it, but there's just this, like, nothing's really been settled, and we, we're done taking our walk and discussing it, and, you know, we kind of worked it out, and we're good and stuff, and then the Lord so clearly put it on my heart, Brandon, pray with her, and I, uh, can I do that tomorrow? I'll be this would be so much less awkward tomorrow. No, pray with her. And my heart started racing, and I started sweating, and it was cold outside, and my jacket on. Oh, my gosh. Pray with her. And so I looked at the stars and kind of, you know, meandered. We're close to the house. Oh, let's not go in yet. You know, like, okay, what's going on? It's getting weird. And finally, like, let's, let's look at the stars. Let's pray together. And you know what happened? <laughs> she said yes <laughs> exactly though see my greatest fear was oh let's not do that come on Mr. Spiritual no but she, she said yes she was waiting for that she loved it and we prayed and it hasn't stopped since and you know what they're, they're so, it's so easy to be real with each other when we pray with each other guys allow the Lord and ministry you want a girl you want a guy that you can serve the Lord with not having ministry and then a woman or a man it's just so hard to have that separate but Priscilla and Aquila did it right as they worked together and it's my encouragement hey don't just pray for her don't just pray about her pray with her you're going to know so much more well 
Priscilla and Aquila, I wish we knew more about this great couple. Verse 5, greet also the church in their house. Greet my beloved Epinatus, who was the... I'm going to sound like a three-year-old in this section. <laughs> Epinatus, who was the first convert to Christ in Asia. That's cool. Paul still remembers the first convert. Hey, I pray for that guy every day. I saved him. Yeah, that's right. Greet him. Verse 6, greet Mary, who has worked hard for you. Greet Andronicus and Junia, my kinsmen and my fellow prisoners. They are, they are well known to the apostles, and they were in Christ before me. Who knows, they may have even been praying for Paul while they were in prison. And Paul is their answer to prayer. Verse 8, Greet Ampliatus, my beloved in the Lord. Greet Urbanus, our fellow worker in Christ, and my beloved Stachys. Verse 10, Greet Apelles, who is approved in Christ. Approved is, um, it, it sort of seems like it's implying he went through a trial and he was approved. He came out great. He's stronger in the Lord for it. So greet Apelles who's approved in Christ. Greet those who belong to the family of Aristobulus. Aristobulus. Now this guy, it is believed that he is the grandson of King Herod. Isn't that cool? King Herod, the guy who heard, wait a minute, wise guys, you're telling me there's a king of the Jews? I am the king of the Jews? Guards! After this baby, where is he? I don't know. Kill all of the kids. That'll handle it. So they go out and kill them all. You guys know that story. Jesus and uh, Moses, Moses. Jesus and Joseph. <laughs> Joseph and Mary. They have their flight to Egypt, and Pontius Pilate is flying the plane. Ah, okay, never mind. They escape to Egypt, and um, Herod the Great, Herod the Great, he was the murderer of Jesus, tried to be the murderer of Jesus. Herod is the great, 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 grandson of a patriarch named Esau. Jacob had a brother named Esau, and they came out of the womb. And when they came out of their mother's womb, the parents were astonished. Whoa, look at this. Jacob was grabbing Esau's heel. <laughs> they came out at birth fighting with one another. And you guys know the story that how Jacob deceived Esau, stole the birth, uh, deceived him for the birthright and stole the blessing. And Esau vowed to kill him. Well, finally they meet up and they make up and they go their own way. And eventually Jacob becomes the nation of Israel. Esau becomes the nation of Edom. Fast forward several years. Israel is sacked by the Babylonians. Guess who comes and loots the city? Edom. And God says, ooh, I don't like Edom for doing that. And then, fast forward a couple more hundred years, and you have a baby born from Israel named Jesus, and you have a king named Herod from the country of Edom. All the way from Genesis, all the way to the book of Matthew, Jacob and Esau have this battle, and Herod and Jesus bring the climax, and Jesus ultimately triumphs over Herod, and this is what I love. This pig, this guy that no one liked, that's what he was called. In fact, a historian says it's safer to be Herod's pig than his son. He killed everybody who threatened his throne. And 
This guy, this murderer, his grandson, is found here in the church of Jesus Christ. And Paul says, greet him. Isn't that cool? Even Herod's grandson can be saved. We sometimes might see someone walk into a different church or a group here, wherever we're gathering, and think, her? Are you serious? What is she doing here? I can't believe he is even thinking of coming here. The guy that Aristobulus was saved. Why? Because the church greeted him. We ought to, no matter who comes up here, we ought to be greeters of these people. Um, when Paul was saved, back in Acts chapter 9, it says that he went to the church in Jerusalem. And there the believers were terrified. What? He's here? He's the guy that's been killing mothers and children and Christians and imprisoning them. He's wreaking havoc on us. Why is he here? Don't talk to him. He's a spy. And seriously, they, no one talked to him. No one greeted Paul. He comes in, is a little awkward, and hmm, new Christian here. But Barnabas, oh, I want to be like Barnabas. Barnabas greeted Paul and brought him in. He was the bold one. Guys, we need bold critters in our group to be greeters, to be those people that say, I don't know why they're here, but I'm going to greet them. What if Barnabas didn't greet Paul? What if Paul said, hmm, this is what Christianity is? Um, okay. What if Paul wasn't, what if he turned his back on the whole thing? What, what, I don't even know what to think. It would be so different. To be more personal, I, in my ninth grade year, new youth group, new city, moved to a new place. <sighs> new in the youth group. It's awkward, you know, I don't know anyone. And man, it could have been so bad had no one greeted me. And no one did for a while. You guys know how it is when you're new somewhere. It's kind of like everyone's like, oh, I don't know if I should talk to them. They're scary. They're going to bite me. <laughs> hey, listen. Some of us have this excuse. Uh, it feels awkward when I meet myself or introduce myself to someone. Hey, everyone has that excuse. You're not new. <laughs> Even the people that seem that, like, oh, they're great greeters. Like, oh, hey, welcome. They have that little reserve in them too, okay? And so here I am. And there's one girl. She's kind of like a, like a phobie, just bright, radiant. She comes and she's redheaded, really happy girl. And she comes and says, hey, welcome to X4J. My name is Shannon. And instantly I felt welcomed. I felt like, okay, you know what? It's going to be awkward because I'm quiet. I don't know a lot of people. But, but I know Shannon. I know Shannon cares about me. I can at least follow her along until I meet more people and get some friends. And that's how it happened. I don't know what would have happened had I never been greeted, had that awkwardness never been collapsed. And Paul, if anything, we learned through this, learned that he says, hey, follow my example, greet people. I don't care if it's Aristobulus, the grandson of Herod the Great, or if it's me, the persecutor of Christians, as Paul was, or if it's that cheerleader who's been sleeping around at school. Greet one another. Greet them. Bring them into the fellowship. Overlook who they are and care about the soul deep inside of them. And so, greet Aristobulus. Greet my kinsman, verse 11, Herodian. Herodian is probably a relative of Herod as well. Greet those in the Lord who belong to the family of Narcissus. Greet those workers in the Lord. Tristania and Tryphosa, those are sisters. Greet the beloved Persis, another girl, and 
get it purse. I guess you've got to be a girl. Purses. She has many purses. <laughs> Who had worked hard in the Lord. Greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord, also his mother, who had been a mother to me as well. Rufus might be the son of the guy who carried the cross of Jesus. As he went up and he stumbled along the hill, he couldn't carry his cross, they called, Hey, you, sir, Simon, pull him out of the crowd. There is a connection. It says um, that he's the, the father of Rufus. If this is the same Rufus, isn't that cool that, hey, his whole household got saved because the father carried the cross of Jesus. You want to lead people to the Lord? Do what Jesus said. Follow me, take up your cross. Take up your cross, deny yourself and follow me. And people will see that and say, hmm, maybe I'm going to follow too. That's what Simon did. Rufus was saved. Greet his mother, who has become a mother to me as well. Greet, verse 14, Asinicitus, Phlegon, Hermes, Patrobas, Hermas, and the brothers who are with them. Greet Philogus. Julia, Nereus, I told him it sounded like it's in three, and his sister, and Olympus, and all the saints who are with them. Greet one another with a holy kiss. <laughs> oh, I got you, Brandon. We can kiss all we want. I'm going to take my girlfriend and make out in the back. Because Paul said, greet one another with a holy kiss. Well, well, well. I'm not so sure that's what he meant, because if that is, that means when I walk into the church... Uh, John better start kissing me, and that's not going to go over too well. Do not get any ideas, John. Stop thinking about that. Don't even think... Uh, no, I didn't say anything like that. <laughs> Paul, it, the culture here, of course, you always have to take things in context. Um, the Eastern culture, they, many of them do this to this day. It's, it's considered a warm welcome to kiss someone, generally on the cheek, not on the lips, not this whole eat, suck face thing. Not, no vacuum cleaning the skin. Just... A nice welcome. And so Paul says, hey, welcome each other, in other words. How would we compare this today? The handshake, or the hug, or the, well, there's a lot of creative ones. But during Thanksgiving, a little turkey. You know, all these different greetings that we do for one another. That's, that's the point. Greet one another warmly and affectionately. Not say, I wish you weren't here. <laughs> or like, ah, it's so good to see you. And that's how I... Um, feel sometimes, you guys sometimes hear me erupt like, ah, someone's here. Um, all the churches of Christ greet you. Now, see, that's the whole greeting section. Paul says, greet these people. And what he say to you and me is, greet the people. Don't be an isolated character. Proverbs 18.1 says that whoever isolates himself seeks his own desire. And it's true. Now, now, let me differentiate. There's a difference between the isolated person who just has no social skills and really doesn't know how to be good with people. But then there's the isolator who says, mm, I'm going to sit on my Xbox all day because basically I'm doing my own desire. And they're very antisocial. Two different kinds here. And Paul is saying we can't be like the person who isolates himself to seek his own desire. Because Jesus didn't do that. Jesus didn't seek his desire. He sought the desires of others. In fact, you never see Jesus alone in the Gospels. With one exception. The only time Jesus is ever alone is when he's in prayer. We ought 
to seek isolation only to seek the Father. But otherwise, Paul was a people person. He pursued people. He loved people. He didn't say, ah, you know what? Everyone knows who I am, so I expect everyone to come to me. He said, no, I know there's someone's soul at stake. I want to welcome them. Someone might be going through a hard time. I'm going after them. And Paul had a plethora of people because he was a greeter of people. Now, some of you, I can relate, are just terrified at going to someone and talking to them. You're very reliant on people coming to you. Well, be affable then. When they talk to you, don't just shut the door. They start asking questions. Don't be like, oh, I don't want to tell you anything. They're asking questions because they want to get to know you. But it's sometimes like, ah, just leave me alone. I don't really want to open up. Just be affable. If you don't know what affable means, it means easy to talk to. Just, just be well. Just say, hey, yeah, okay, I'll, you know, I'll answer your questions. People want to get to know you. People are trying to welcome. And so Paul says, be a greeter. Greet people. And since we have to continue on, I'm not, I would love to just hammer on. I think this is so important. Guys, I was so convicted in studying this because I know by nature I'm not a greeter. I'm more of the greet me <laughs> kind of guy. But you know what I found is I often use my natural tendency as an excuse not to talk to people whom I know I could or should. Man, God's saying, Brandon, you need to care about people. And some of you get irritated. I, I, I apologize to Christian because you know, I've asked her her name several times. But the reason is because I care about your names. I, I want to greet you. I want to know you. And so I go out of my way to make sure I got it down and I don't forget your name. Some of us look around the room and we don't know everyone's name. Are we isolating ourselves? Or are we greeting people? Notice too that Paul doesn't just have names. He has facts about these people. Man, can you not just name everyone in this room, but can you write something about them? Well, I know that he's into this, she's into that, she loves these things, and she has a gift for this, and all can you name things about people? Paul could, and he didn't even been to Rome. <laughs> I encourage us to have that mindset of, I'm going to greet someone I haven't talked to today. I'm going to go out of my way. I'm going to get out of my clique. See, Paul isn't into this small little group. I'm fine with these friends. He was, I'm going to meet as many people as possible because their salvation might depend upon it. Greet the people, he says. But, to wrap up the rest of the book, he gives a caution. Greet the people, but retreat from evil. Retreat from evil, verse 17. I appeal to you, brothers, to watch out for those who cause divisions and create obstacles contrary to the doctrine that you have been taught. Avoid them. (laughs) Very simple. Stay away. Look out. If there's those dividers, those gossipers, those people who seem to have this bent toward telling different stories, glorifying themselves, or anything to try to divide people, avoid them altogether. Just retreat. Stay away. Verse 18, for such persons do not serve our Lord Christ, but they serve their own appetites or their own bellies. And by smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the hearts of the naive. Mm. Therefore, Paul wants to let them know, 
Your obedience is known to all, so that I rejoice over you. But I want you to be wise as to what is good and innocent or simple as to what is evil. Be wise to what is good. Why? Because there are people that are trying to deceive the naive. Just have a knowledge of what is good in the Lord. Be wise concerning the Bible, concerning Jesus Christ. So if someone comes to you and says, Hey, hey, brother, you know there's a problem with your faith. Are you naive? Are you going to be deceived? Or are you going to be firm? Hey, you know what? Actually, I remember Brandon said, I wrote it down like Tertullius, (laughs) this is actually the truth. You know, we have a firm rooting with the Lord. Be wise concerning the good. But, Paul says something very interesting. Be simple. Be innocent concerning the evil. There is, I see, a problem in our culture, in our our church culture, in our mentality. We are not simple. We're not innocent. Or naive could be another word. We're not naive towards the things of the world. We know way too much about sin in the world. And God help us. We're bombarded with ads of sex and Viagra. And you know, I say these things and we know everything about them. But there's a purity and innocence. You know, there was a time when I was um, in, I don't remember what age I was, but all my friends, you know, knew these sexual terms and stuff, and they're joking, laughing, ha ah, I'm like, what's that? And they would scorn me. Oh, what's wrong with you? You're so sheltered. You're so naive. You don't know. How do you not know these things? And man, I felt so dumb, so ridiculed. I was like, I'm not very bright. <laughs> But man, isn't it a blessing though? If I mean, that's what Paul says. Be simple about these things. Why do we have to feel like I have to know everything the world's doing? I've heard the excuses. One thing that irks me is when youth pastors say, oh, I just want to relate to the kids. So, I look at them and say, so you become just like them? <laughs> oh, I just want to relate. Aren't we supposed to make them like Jesus? And yet you're becoming like them? I'm not not just to hammer certain people or uh, us too. We say the same thing. Well, I have to be culturally relevant so that people can accept Christianity. (laughs) No one likes an alien. We can't act like we're from another planet. We have to be very real. Yes, we have to be real, but you know what? I've also noticed that there is huge intrigue about aliens. Man, if people notice that you're from another planet, they're like, wow, look at them, watch them, figure out something about their life. They're intrigued by it. As I read in Deuteronomy, God told His people, don't research their culture because you're going to become like it. And Paul says here, hey, don't research the world's culture. Research one another. But, but I have to be culturally relevant. I have to be informed. I have to be current. You know the best way to stay informed, to stay current, to stay in touch? It's not by becoming wise and going into things of the world. It's by digging into people. That's how you stay current. That's how you stay relatable. We learn to handle people. You can be so naive about things of the world and still be effective. Look at Jesus. 
How, how much did you see Jesus being all like with the Pharisees? Ha yeah, I saw that show too. It was really good. Or yeah, and he flips out all the, like I know all those sexual terms, and you know he hung out with the prostitutes, which he did. But how did Jesus dress like the prostitutes? Did he talk like the prostitutes? Did he act like the prostitutes? He was just very real in greeting prostitutes, being a people person, making that connection. Christian, there's this temptation for us to say, well, to, in order to expand the faith, I have to greet wickedness so that I'm more culturally relevant. Paul says here, just greet people. That's what matters. That's what makes the difference. If you go to Genesis 3, you see a woman named Eve. Have a great week. Eve is talking with the serpent, Genesis 3, about the tree, the fruit thereon. And she says, oh, I can't eat of that. The Lord said no. But Satan's sly. He makes her feel, watch this, he makes her feel like she doesn't know anything. Verse 5, Satan says to her, God knows that when you eat of the fruit, your eyes will be opened. You'll be informed. And you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Wow. Really? I will know good and... Yes, five minutes. Thank you. Wow. I will know good and evil? Ooh. And so... It intrigues her. I'm going to be culturally relevant. Adam, check this out. She takes a bite. I know everything now about this tree. I'm not an outcast, a loner. I, I know it all, the whole garden. And Adam's like, oh no. What did you do, Eve? You see, she wanted to know good and evil. Satan said, you'd be like God. You, you'd have knowledge of both the good and the bad. And that's, that's luring. Because we sometimes the culture dis- it makes fun of naive people. But where in the Bible does it say that you're stupid because you're not in with worldliness? In fact, that's what killed Eve. That's what killed Adam. Curiosity killed the cat. It also killed man. <laughs> Curiosity kills. Gang, don't worry. If you Well, there's this whole thing about... Um, this gay movement, I don't know why people are intrigued. So you start to research, what do gays do and stuff? Why, why do you need to know, really? What, what, what is it about it? Well, I'm curious. Careful. So was Eve. She was curious. Well, we don't have to know. Just, just go to the Word. Know that. Be simple concerning evil. Well, Brandon... Culturally relevant, come on. Yes. What never changes about culture? People. Greet people, retreat from evil. And so, Paul finishes up, verse 20. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with you. You remember in Genesis 3.15 when they sinned after Eve was deceived? Well, God told Satan, Hey, the Messiah is going to come and crush you under his feet. It's going to happen when Jesus returns. Satan will be crushed. So, 
You want victory, Christian? Move your feet. Go greet and retreat. <laughs> I like that. Move the feet and you will crush Satan. Verse 21. Timothy, my fellow worker, greets you. So does Lucius, Jason, so Sisipater, my kinsman, I, Tertius, who wrote this letter greeting the Lord, Gaius, who is host to me and to the whole church, greets you. Erastus, the city treasurer, and our brother Quartus greets you. So the people from Corinth saying hi to Rome. Verse 25. The concluding verses. This is a great way to end it. I, Paul's so lofty. Try to follow it. Now to him who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages, but has now been disclosed, and through the prophetic writings has been made known to all nations, according to the command of the eternal God, to bring about the obedience of faith, to the only wise God be glory forevermore to Jesus Christ. Amen. Wow, that was... And Paul dictated that to Tertullius. He didn't say, hmm, backspace, I can say it a lot better like this. God, the guy said this on the fly. Wow. Um, real quick there, it says the mystery. Hey, in the Old Testament, things were concealed. In the New Testament... They're revealed. And that's what Paul did in, Revel, uh, in Romans. He revealed the gospel that was there. He made it more plain. So guys, that's Romans. Paul wants to close it by saying, Hey, now that you have all this knowledge of doctrine, we went through the practical aspects. Apply it in this way. Greet people. Don't isolate yourself. Greet them. Make them important. Know their name. Know something about them. And retreat from evil. As you do so, you will be informed, culturally relevant, and you will be able to expand the gospel. Like Phoebe, you'll be bright and radiant, taking God's word wherever you go. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for the book of Romans and the study in it. I pray that you inform us, Lord, in how to live. Make us readers of people. Lord, give us that ambition to love people passionately as you did. And help us to retreat from evil. Father, curiosity is strong at times, but rather than it killing us, I pray you kill our curiosity. May we move our feet to greet and retreat. In Jesus' name, amen.